Okay, Boomer. Okay, kid. Here's a question you can't answer. Uh, kid, what happens when a boomer gives up? You know, when they spend most of their time watching TV, eating, and maybe smoking? When your family stops coming around to visit, when your friends stop calling on the phone, when you stop going places, that's when things start to go downhill. Jill Graskowitz manages the Club 60 Senior Center. We'll have an in-depth interview with her. And how can you stop a downward slide? The obvious answer is to stay active. You know, like you were when you were a kid. Often, what's good for elders and what's good for children, in many ways, is good for the rest of us. That's Lauren Becker, a city planner in Carbondale, Illinois. Now let's talk about one of the number one hobbies of boomers, polarization. There isn't a voice saying, we want you to find a way to get along and to do the nation's business instead of being conflict entrepreneurs and trying to divide us for your own gain. Um, we need to find a way of expressing that eventually uh, in the ballot box. Chuck Stone is a member of Better Angels with a mission of bringing the right and left together. I'll be talking with Chuck. And oh yes, I, Robert Rickman, is not a conflict entrepreneur. Then we'll talk about exercise and depression, mental health and religion, vitamin D and dementia, and how to prevent Alzheimer's and more, including Bob and Marcia Smith with brain teasers and Edward R. Murrow looking back at the beginnings of the Cold War. The news is next. Boomer News. For the first time in history, Medicare will have the ability to negotiate lower prescription drug prices because of the Inflation Reduction Act. That's a law which lowers health care and prescription drug costs. Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services has issued initial guidance detailing the requirements and including requests for public comment on key elements of the new Medicare drug price negotiation program for 2026. That's right, 2026 will be the first year the negotiated prices will take effect. And to some Medicare news that you might not like, last week the Biden administration refused to approve Alzheimer's drug Lecanemab, sold under the name of Lequimbi for payment by Medicare, leaving the $26,000 drug beyond the reach of most people. The drug has been shown to slow down dementia dramatically in its early stages. Some estimates reckon it could delay the move from mild cognitive impairment to full-blown dementia by as much as two years. The Alzheimer's Association, the American Academy of Neurology, and 94 senators and congressmen of both parties have been in favor of paying for this drug via Medicare. Now, the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid said there was not yet enough evidence showing the new drug was, quote, reasonable and necessary, unquote. The agency said it is willing to review the situation when there is more evidence. And as to dementia... The CDC estimates that in 2020, 5.8 million Americans over age 65 had Alzheimer's. This number is projected to nearly triple by 2060. Though memory loss is a well-recognized symptom of Alzheimer's disease, warning signs can include a variety of cognitive challenges. For example, according to the National Institute on Aging, early signs of Alzheimer's may involve repeating questions or forgetting something you just learned, not knowing the date or your location, and taking more time or having difficulty completing normal daily tasks. Though these warning signs can vary or appear gradually, it's important to talk with your doctor as soon as any symptoms arise. And we're still talking about dementia. A new large-scale study suggests that people who take vitamin D supplements may have a lower risk of developing dementia. I take vitamin D every day of the week. Taking vitamin D supplements was associated with living dementia-free longer. The study, conducted by researchers in the UK and Canada, involved more than 12,000 participants with an average age of 71 who were all dementia-free at the beginning of the trial. About 4,600 of the participants reported taking vitamin D supplements. Ten years after the start of the trial, more than 2,600 participants developed dementia. Of the dementia patients, just 25% took vitamin D supplements, while about 75% did not. 
Researchers found the group of participants who reported taking vitamin D supplements had 40% fewer dementia diagnosis than the rest of the cohort. The group of participants who took vitamin D supplements was more educated, less likely to be depressed, included more women and fewer black people. Having dark-colored skin reduces the amount of vitamin D your skin makes, according to the National Institutes of Health. Now, the paper is limited because researchers only observed the link between supplements and dementia using self-reported data, not through randomly assigning participants to take either vitamin D or a placebo. Prior research has indicated a link between low vitamin D and dementia. And we're still talking about mental health. Religious people are less likely to report having mental health conditions than non-religious people. This according to a 2020 Pew Research study, which found that non-religious people were 14% more likely to have a mental illness than weekly churchgoers. Among liberals who never attended a religious service, 28% told the survey that they had been diagnosed with a mental health condition. When liberals participate in weekly church services, the percentage of mental illness drops 14 points. Now, according to the data, only 12% of religious conservatives have a diagnosed mental illness, whereas 31% of liberals with no religion report a mental health condition. And now an interview with Jill Graskowitz of Club 60, the Marion Senior Center. Jill has also worked in nursing homes. This wide-ranging talk includes someone in her 70s rebuilding her entire living room almost by herself. Jill will also answer the big question, which is, what happens when an elderly person gives up on living and no longer feels useful? We'll hear about the case and the cure. And we'll also cover how our interview turned from me interviewing Jill to Jill interviewing me. Then there were those old Kmarts, which in some places were informal senior citizen centers. I worked at one about 30 years ago. Finally, we'll cover gut bombing it, we'll explain. And bingo. To start off with, as we heard during the news, senior centers must change. Yes, so my age is 41. My parents are in their 70s. My in-laws are in their 70s. They don't act 70. They don't look it. They don't want to be that. They don't see themselves when they look in the mirror as a 70-year-old. I'm a 70-year-old. But what do you feel like when you look in the mirror or when you just go around day to day? How old do you feel in your mind? Well, I don't like looking at myself in the mirror or hearing my own voice. But I don't think of being 70-year-old. I think I'm an over-age over 23-year-old sometimes. I can relate. You know, being 41, I can remember my mom when she was 41. And I still sometimes feel like I'm 18, 19, and should still be in college doing these things. However, my body is disagreeing and say, no, um, the news is about to come on. You need to go lay down and listen to the weather. <laughs> okay, I, I don't have quite as much energy as, as I had before. But now you've got somebody like me who comes into a senior citizen center. What kind of attractions do you have for somebody who's 70 as opposed to somebody who's 85? Aging right now is very liquid. It's constantly changing. And what was once popular 20, 30, 40 years ago for a senior center that was getting up and going and very active is no longer. We still have bingo, we still have quilting, but those are not things that my mom would enjoy doing or my mother-in-law or my father-in-law would enjoy doing. We've come to an age where over 80% of seniors have smartphones, smart devices, tablets. They want to know how to use those devices. We've come to an age where our, our seniors today, our baby boomers, they're more active. They want to get out. They want to go do things. My mother-in-law is very proud of being the number one spot in her silver sneakers group uh, because she can do all these things and she can lift weights. And, and that helps her at home because she lives at home. She's a miraculous woman who 
uh, like I was telling you, she is very proud of the fact that she redid her entire uh, two living rooms, dining rooms, and kitchen, painting by herself, being on the ladder by herself. She did all the woodworking, and she did beautiful woodworking with molding and crown molding and, and the, uh, I don't even know what it's called, but the neat molding that they put in rectangles on the wall um, that you find in fancy dining rooms. She put in a fireplace, and she put in new carpet and only called someone for help because she herself did not own a carpet stretcher. She's 72, and she's about 105 pounds soaking wet. But she was hell-bent on doing this. And she did a fabulous job. Like, hey, could you want to come over to my house to do that? <laughs> I'll hire you. Um, so her interests are not that of someone who's going to sit down and knit and crochet while she watches Family Feud on TV and then takes a nap and goes to bed at 6 o'clock. She's up. She's very active with her grandchildren. She's doing things. She wants to go out and dance. She dates. She internet dates. She meets new people. She's beautiful. I saw a picture of her, and she's good looking. Now, how do you reconcile this senior citizen center with somebody like her? So with our senior center here in Marion, we ask our people, what do you want to do? I think it would be really cool to have some type of podcast, news program, um, newsletter. We, we still do a newsletter, but it's very old school. However, I keep it around because it was originated by the first uh, director of uh, the Senior Center here in 1981. And I think it's kind of nostalgic to have. Um, it's called the Yodeler because her and her family were from the Swiss Alps. So we keep that going. But times are changing. People are on Facebook. We have over 620-something people that follow our Facebook page. They're, they're seniors. So we've asked them what they, what they want to do. We've got everything from pickleball to billiards, a weekly art class, a monthly cooking class, scrapbooking. Uh, we've taken some trips. You know, it's not just all bingo, but I can't really put bingo down. I'll tell you about my prejudices about bingo. Whenever I associate a senior center, I associate it with bingo and I have had this bias against bingo because of that now I could see playing bingo at home but playing bingo at a senior center just makes me feel like I'd be old however you have an alternate view of that I do I played bingo I know of the one card version that my school teachers gave me in school and you know you got to put the little pieces on there or if you had a sticker you could cover it up or a marker and that one sheet was pretty easy to go by and I got along however as an adult if you've watched people play bingo whether it's at the KC Hall or at a, a bar or a community bingo or at a senior center this is not just one paper bingo these people have three, four, five, six, ten plus cards sitting in front of them and they are going to town dobbing numbers so much that I don't enjoy it because I can't keep up. I don't know if I've been goed or not because they'll say in 64 and I'm looking at 10, 11 cards here and I basically get two or three stamped and they're on to the next number and I'm still back on the previous number. How old are these people? Well, here at our senior center, or Club 60, because we don't even want to call it a senior center to get away from that stigma, our people are anywhere from 55 to 98. I think I talked to one of these guys, a World War II veteran. Probably. We've got several, but we've also got a lot of younger people who were lucky enough to retire early. They're 55 
They may have a spouse who's, you know, a couple years older or younger, but where do you go? They don't necessarily want to start a whole new full-time job again. But on the other end, we do have seniors who have not been able to fully retire who still work full 40-hour weeks. Well, that's what I'm doing, not a full 40-hour a week, but it takes me 16 to 20 hours to put this radio program together, including going on the air with it. That keeps you sharp. Well, with the brain fog from COVID, it keeps me sharper, I think. You know, my dad is um, pushing 70, and he is a banker. He should be a retired banker. However... He feels that um, he enjoys his his career so much. He's on the road. He's helping other banks um, do SBA loans. And he says, why would I retire? I love my job. I love being around, you know, helping people get their businesses off the ground. This is something that I can do until I physically can't go anymore. And he knows from seeing our other older family members sit in front of the TV. And once they sit down, especially if you have some core morbidities, uh, like some cardiac issues, uh, CHF, you sit down in front of that TV, you lose your muscle mass, your body starts getting um, the muscles atrophied, and you're basically throwing in the towel and saying, okay, I'm giving up. I'm going to sit and watch TV all day and just wait until the day that I'm done. Well, I'm not going to do that. I work out. I try to work out three days a week. I try to walk. I try to swim at the Logan Pool. Uh, I don't do all these things all the time. But um, I, I want to keep active because first, I watch enough TV as it is. And the second thing is, I want to feel like I'm producing something the the feeling of being uh let's see the feeling of being useful i want to feel useful and so this is one of the reasons why i'm doing this and also i want to do it for my wait a minute who's interviewing whom (laughs) so you touched on something there are some basic human needs that we have no matter how old or how young we are so we all have the need for touch physical touch. Uh, Somewhere scientists say, you can look up the number because I don't really know offhand, the human body needs to be touched X amount of times a day in order to feel fulfilled. I understand that. If I go all day long and I don't get a hug from someone or hold my husband's hand or just, you know, pat his shoulder as I'm walking by in the kitchen or have him do the same to me, I'm kind of like, hey, don't, don't you don't love me anymore? <laughs> um, but one of the, the next ones is the feeling to be needed and wanted. And we all need a purpose. And once your purpose is gone, or once you've, you think your purpose is gone, you start to give up a little bit. Why am Why am I here? No one needs me. No one wants me. If you lose your purpose, find a different purpose. There's lots. It just depends on how creative you are and how in touch with the resources that are around. There's tons of resources, whether it's medical resources that you need, financial resources that you need, medical resources that you need. You just have to know where to go to get these things. Now, based on your experience, you uh, manage nursing homes, you've told me before, and you manage this place here, uh, Club 60. Have you seen, and I'm sure you have, people in the nursing homes or here who have lost a sense of purpose? And when they do, what happens? Absolutely. I have worked with um, the aging senior population for 20 years and dementia and seniors are my specialty i manage the alzheimer's association here in southern illinois 
and I see a decline in the quality of life once someone gives up, whether they're lucky enough to stay at home or they're put into a facility. When your family stops coming around to visit, when your friends stop calling on the phone, when you stop going places, when you stop doing things, and you pull yourself back from society, whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, that's when things start to go downhill and you lose that sense of hope and a feeling of being a member of society and you really start some cognitive decline. I have interviewed people recently at the farmer's market at and at Art Space 304 in Carbondale. And what they are doing is they are fighting that. Do you see that the baby boomers are more prone to fighting what you just said as, the, as opposed to older generations? Absolutely. Whether it's physical appearance or cognitive development, I see the baby boomers being feeling and acting younger than say my great grandma did where when she was 50 she looked old and had a beehive and heck I didn't know how old she was there were there were people that I had as school teachers that I thought were old and somehow they're still alive today so apparently they weren't as old as what I thought they were but I think that you're only as old as you act and as you want to be. I think moving, you know, keeping, um, keeping your body moving, whether it's walking to the mailbox every day, walking around the block every day, walking your dog every day, or uh, there's a, a lady who was always close to my family and she is pushing her 90s now. She doesn't look 90. And one thing that she does, she still drives. She still lives alone. She goes somewhere every day. Now, she may go to the grocery store, even if she doesn't need anything, just to push the cart around, be around other people, see things, keep her mind fresh keep her driving fresh. I know when Kmart was still around, you know, they're closed now. She would go to Kmart every day. And that woman, I thought it was fascinating because she could tell me where everything was located in Kmart, how much it was, what was in stock, what was out of stock. But that's because she made the point to drive to Kmart and walk around and window shop. And it kept her mind sharp. It kept her body moving. And it kept some social ability so she could adapt to these challenges and hurdles in aging. I saw in the 80s, I worked at Kmart. I was a PA announcer. Anyway. Blue light special? Blue light, yeah. Kmart shoppers look up and around. The blue light is flashing. Um, I saw people, older people, who would come to Kmart and they'd sit in the cafeteria the and radio, talk. The radio cafe. Yeah, the radio yes, cafe. Yes, oh, I love the radio cafe. Okay, they, they would sit and talk. They'd hang around the service desk. These were older people, and I think this was an, the place where they socialized in the old Kmarts. Yeah, I remember that. And now you see people going and socializing for coffee every morning at some local... A fast food restaurant. Right. And we grew up during the times when the fast food restaurants actually exploded. I, a guy I went to school with named Roger Davis, he looked like the cartoon character Roger Ramjet, so that's what he called himself. He used to do a program, a feature called Gut Bombing It. It's time now for Gut Bombing It in Carbondale. We're going to the local, I don't know, Winkies, and he would do a fast food 
review oh, yeah. of, a, of a fast food restaurant. Oh, we eat out all the time. Yeah, I totally understand that. And you see other restaurants, you I, I would love that because we would want to know what these other restaurants that we haven't been to, what do they have? What's going on there? What can we do? Is it hard to get into? That's Jill Graskowitz, and she is the head honcho at the Senior Center in Marion, but they don't like to call it a Senior Center. They call it um, Club 60. Okay, Boomer. Okay, kid. Oh, my gosh. We're on the half hour. Time to get up, and my gosh, it didn't hurt this time. Oh, yeah, must have been the brownies. Never mind. Let's go to the coffee pot right now. But on the way, I want to show you a place that uh, is very popular now. Yeah, this is the WDBX basketball court. And our, along with Janice, are playing a one-on-one. Ooh, one of them touched the other. All right, we're right here in the coffee machine room. And uh, standing by and holding is Carrie with a sour look on her face because I'm not moving fast enough. So let's get the coffee going. Let's cue Carrie, and she's going to be talking about one day that most of us don't really like. Cup of Joe with Robert. Cup of tea with Carrie. And once again, we go to jolly old England and Monday, which is dreaded by the British just like anybody else in the world. Britain folks there are more definitive about their disdain for the early part of the week, according to condiment maker Marmite. The company's survey results show that the average Brit doesn't smile on Monday until 11.16 a.m. Another British poll says that when the clock strikes 11.45 Tuesday morning, it's the peak of weekday misery. What do you say to that, Robert? What I say to that is, why is a condiment sponsoring a survey like that? Well, you don't understand Marmite. It's the growing up spread. It's a, it's spread. a spread. Yes, it's a spread. A spread meaning is it? It's like margarine or something. No, it's a very, it's very dark in color and it's kind of thick. I suppose if one had to compare it to the consistency of Nutella, but it's nothing like Nutella. It's not sweet. It's very savory. It's it's an acquired taste. Acquired, yeah. Like but black I grew pudding. up on that. Well, I, yes, yes, I. I did. Just thinking about that. Um, uh, let's. Vegemite. Let's go to a uh, vermiculite. Vegemite. Vegemite. Okay. It's like Marmite. Like Marmite. Okay. Vegemite, Marmite. (laughs) Pumpkins. Pumpkins. An 18-wheeler crashed into a guardrail and burst into flames on a Houston, Texas highway Wednesday morning, leaving a seasonal mess all over the roadway. And it wasn't Marmite. Vermiculite. WFAA-TV reports the truck's pumpkin payload spilled during the fiery wreck, forcing emergency crews to spend hours cleaning up hundreds of smashed and roasted pumpkins from the highway. No one was hurt in the crash. Maybe they should, you know, clean all that stuff up and make a giant pumpkin pie. Or take all the seeds out and roast some seeds. Yeah, roast some seeds. Mm. Have that with your cup of joe. And your cup of tea. everybody it's the white raven from the hot 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 louisiana gumbo pot right here on wdbx sundays 12 to 2 join me and all the gumbo pot heads where i'll be bringing you all the best music from louisiana new orleans the bayou with a little bit of delta blues thrown in for good measure so all you swamp rats grab your zydeco shoes meet me in the gumbo pot at high noon we always pass a good time chef peace love and zydeco Are you an aspiring author looking to get your book published? Look no further than Tech Time Publishing Company. At Tech Time, we specialize in bringing the best books to readers everywhere. Our team of experienced editors and designers work closely with authors to bring their stories to life, ensuring every book is of the highest quality. But that's not all. TechTime also offers a unique service to translate and narrate books and revenue sharing. This means that our talented team of translators and narrators will be compensated with a share of the book sales. So whether you're an author, translator, or narrator, TechTime is the place to be. Join our community of book lovers and let us help you bring your stories to the world. Visit our website today to learn more. That's techtime.it. TechTime.it. Dot IT. 
And if you're looking for a first-class Italian translator, check out Laura Squigna. It's spelled S-G-U-I-G-N-A. Laura Squigna, and you can find her on the Tech Time website under Translators. The world's largest, smallest, biggest, fastest, tallest. I'm Marcia Smith. I'm Bob Smith. Join us every week for a half hour of fun, fascinating trivia. Questions about history, music, business, art, sports. It's a chance to slow down, steer clear of crazy, and take our side road to sanity. 30 minutes of fun-filled facts every week on The The Off-Ramp. Find us wherever you get your podcasts or visit us online at theofframp.show. And we have the off-ramp right now with the big question. What is the largest dessert in the world? Now think about that. Bob and Marsha are going to answer that question right now. Hmm, here are some interesting facts. <laughs> well, I think they are, Bob. This is Bob Smith along with Marsha Smith, and we've got some great trivia for you today here on OK Boomer. Where, Bob, where is the world's largest desert? Not dessert. I know where your mind is going. Desert. <laughs> the largest dessert is... Uh, now, I saw something about this. I think I know the answer, but I don't know why, okay? I heard it's in a place you wouldn't expect. It's not in the Sahara. It's not in the great desert of the American desert. It's not in South America. Where is it, Marsha? It's in Antarctica. Who would think Antarctica would have the world's largest desert? And that is that because of the definition of what a desert is? Yes, dear, it is. <laughs> okay. And it's not the heat. It's the precipitation that oh. defines it. And so if your area receives less than 10 inches of precipitation a year, you are a desert. And the Arctic, which is 5.4 million square miles, has 6.5 inches of precipitation a year. That's it. That's it. And it comes in the form of snow. So uh, behind it is the Sahara and the Arabian and the Gobi. Uh, Those are all in the top five, but Antarctica is the biggest desert. So who would have thought? Not yeah, because I always me. I always associated deserts with sun and heat. Yeah, but yeah. it's not. It's the lack of precipitation. And as long as I'm on Antarctica, okay, okay, as long as you're there, there's a lake there that never freezes. Why? Wait a minute. <laughs> How can there be a lake where there's a desert? Well, oh, okay. It's just the precipitation. There. Yeah. <laughs> okay, a lake that never freezes, but it's in Antarctica. Boy, yes. you've got three different conditions there that just don't, they blow your mind. I know, that's why I'm it's here. It's in Antarctica, it's where there is a desert, and it's a lake. You do say, take a side road to crazy, don't you? Yes, I do. I take <laughs> okay. a side road. Uh, so I don't know the answer to that. Okay, all right. They have a lake in Antarctica called Deep Lake, hmm. and it is 10 times more salty than the ocean. Really? It's as dead as the Dead Sea. It's as dead as can be. Yeah. And so because of all the hypersalinity, mm-hmm. it, uh, it prevents almost all life forms from thriving there. Jeez. Although it is home to a collection of something called extremophiles. <laughs> extremophiles? Yeah, which are organisms that thrive in the most extreme conditions on Earth, which is like me in the kitchen or something. (laughs) (laughs) That is an extreme condition. Yeah, Deep Lake is 180 feet below sea level, and it only gets saltier the farther down you go. Jeez. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, I had no idea. I never heard of that before. Me either. All right. All right, Marcia, what famous American who was not blind preferred Braille to visual reading? Really? Mm -hmm. Really? Oh, wait, wait. This was a scientist, wasn't it? Yes. Okay, it was one of the big ones. Yes, it was. Einstein? No. Uh, The other guy. Uh, There are a lot of them. Oh, there's only one other guy? No, there's a lot of them. Okay, who else? Uh, Edison. Edison, it is. (laughs) Thomas Edison. He was not blind, but he preferred Braille to visual reading. And remember, he proposed to his wife in Braille. That's right. That's what I remember. Now, you have a last uh, word. You have a thought. I do. I have a quote. Okay, and then I have a famous last words. Oh. Who wants to go first? Um, You go ahead. (laughs) Don't shake your head at me, Mr. Fancy Pants. Prancy Pants. I'm not. My pants aren't fancy. (laughs) Come on. All right. What's the thought for the day? It's Albert Einstein. Albert Einstein? (laughs) Jeez. It's Al Einstein, okay? Okay. He makes the bagels (laughs) down down the road. (laughs) Okay. He said there are two kinds of people, those who believe everything is a miracle and those who believe 
nothing is a miracle. That's probably true. What it's, do you What do you think? I think everything's a miracle. So do I. Yeah, even this show. <laughs> yes. Okay, here's a last famous quote, and it's kind of fun. This is Florence Ziegfeld, who was hallucinating in his final moments. He was the great showman of the I know who he is. 19th, early Flo, 20th century. Fanny Brace said, Flo. So these are his last words, and they're written with exclamation marks, so I'll read them the way he probably was reading if He was hallucinating. Curtain, fast music, light, ready for the last finale. Great, the show looks good. The show looks good. Really? And then he died. Wow. Finale, lights, that, that's a good way to go out. It, has, it sounds like it was a good way to go out. I wonder what he was seeing in his, uh, in his dying moments there. Maybe it was a wonderful, you know, extravaganza starring him. <laughs> <laughs> that's trivia for OK Boomer from Bob and Marcia Smith. We just want to remind everyone if they'd like to join us on the web, they can come to our site at theofframp.show. Back to Robert P. Rickman and OK Boomer. OK, Bob. Uh, is everybody else OK? OK, Boomer. Yeah, OK, uh, Colleen. Uh, you're doing all right, too. Uh, hey, data from the U.S. Census Bureau shows that there are 76.4 million baby boomers in the U.S. Now, according to usnews.com, Small communities have become a haven for retiring boomers, many of whom are leaving big cities for small towns with lower costs of living, good restaurants, and cultural activities. Sooner or later, the boomer boom will be over. But there will be retirees right behind them looking for the same things, and by that time, those smaller communities will have found a new source of income to nourish and maintain. That's from U.S. News. One such town in the Midwest is making changes that affect boomers living there. Carbondale, Illinois, with a population of 22,000, is located in the humid subtropical zone similar to the Mid-South and is 350 miles south of Chicago. I spoke with Ronnie LaForge, public relations officer of the city of Carbondale, and Molly Maxwell, senior city planner, about changes being made to the city that will attract boomers. So we're going to have that conversation, and I'll tell you, it was a good one. I started with parking. Uh, I was here a few weeks ago to pick up a pass, a red pass that I put in my car, and I paid $8 for it so I can park at any parking meter or city-owned parking lot. Mm Mm-hmm. For just that $8 for a year. Just $8. All you got to be is 60 or over and be a resident of Carbondale. Um, and you just walk right down into the water office inside City Hall, pay the $8, and they give you, um, a, a, like you mentioned, a little red ticket that's going to go up in your window. And every time you're in a city lot, you see a meter, you just throw that up in your window and no more uh, parking tickets. Oh, that's nice. What other things do you have? that seniors can benefit from, and particularly uh, programs that seniors might not be aware of. So we don't have specific programs geared towards the senior population, but we have a lot of programs that might still be appealing to them. And Molly Maxwell, our senior planner, could talk a lot more about that because Carbondale is um, obviously you're aware that this is an area where there's a ton of outdoor uh, recreation opportunities and that's something that if you're um, looking to just get outside you got a lot of time on your hands maybe you're retired you just want to get outside and hike and enjoy the outdoors we're trying to make improvements on the city's end to make it more enjoyable for all people of all ages my name is molly maxwell i'm the senior planner for the city of carbondale and uh yeah like ronnie was saying um we have you know, a lot, a lot of initiatives we're working on uh, all the time, um, not necessarily geared specifically towards seniors or one age group, but um, again, I think a lot of things that would appeal to folks that are maybe thinking about moving here or, you know, have lived here for a long time and just might not realize that that stuff is is uh, going on. Um, so one thing is that I work on um, one of my... Uh, job titles is the bike plan coordinator and we've got lots of bike paths that that we're working on one is actually in um, in construction right now as we speak so that's in the northeast uh, I'm sorry the northwest um, side of town connected connecting um, North Oakland Street to New Era Road 
Um, it's going along an old railroad bed. And the great thing about that is you can go out and ride your bike and you're separated from traffic. Um, you can also walk out there, you know, run, um, whatever it is that, that you may do. Um, and you don't have to worry about cars, which is, is really great. Um, you know, I know a lot of folks that are retired um, or getting to that, that point in their career, but they're still super active. You know, they don't necessarily just want to go, you know, play bingo at the <laughs> bingo hall or whatever the, you know, whatever the, the traditional <laughs> I don't like retirement. bingo. <laughs> activities are so yeah exactly so um doesn't going for a bike ride sound a lot more fun um, than playing bingo yeah <laughs> I like i've been bingo. A <laughs> yes well you were telling me just a few minutes ago that you're like a boomer i am yes i do have some boomer like tendencies um i've been instructed that that does require i need to pay a membership there's an additional fee to listen to the show as a, a non-boomer but i'm glad to do it there's some fantastic content um, I suppose I should introduce myself. Uh, my name is Lauren Becker, and I'm the recently hired planner and sustainability coordinator for the city of Carbondale. Um, I'm also a new Carbondale community member. Um, so my partner and I only moved here um, about nine months ago, and we're so glad that we did. Um, Carbondale has something special here. It certainly does. Um, what, what have you planned, or what are you in the process of planning? Well, so I think um, Molly Maxwell, our senior planner, really put it best uh, when we talk about urban planning. Um, often what's good for elders and what's good for children in many ways is good for the rest of us. As yes, I eat applesauce too. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> Sure, sure. That's a that's a great example. Another one, another example that I'd use is urban tree canopy. You know, um, when we talk about the walkability, bikeability, rollability of our community, right? The ability to get from place to place without maybe having a uh, a personal vehicle. Um, it's really important to talk about some infrastructure like shade. You know, that's something that benefits all of us. But when we put on that lens of saying, what does a community uh, that's supportive for, uh, for our elder, uh, elder community members look like, um, we all benefit. We really all benefit. And that was Lauren Becker, Planner and Sustainability Coordinator, Molly Maxwell, Senior City Planner, and Ronnie LaForge, Public Relations Officer of Carbondale, Illinois. Located 50 miles to the north of where the Mississippi and Ohio rivers come together and just north of Shawnee National Forest, and this is for people who are not living in the southern Illinois area. And oh yes, Carbondale is 350 miles south of Chicago. By the way, some boomers are retiring to college towns to be close to their alma mater. That's what I did, because Carbondale, Illinois, is the home of Southern Illinois University, where I studied radio and TV. Now, college towns offer arts and cultural activities, walkability and bike trails, as we've heard, education, as we've heard, volunteer opportunities. I'm a volunteer on WDBX, hospitals and medical centers and home prices, so you might want to check it out. So we were talking about uh, hobbies, things to do with uh, senior centers, bingo, um, bike riding. That was sounds like fun. But there's another hobby that uh, baby boomers have gotten into. It's called arguing. Uh, the left is wrong. No, the right is wrong. No, the left is wrong. Anyway, there's a lot of people now who are getting fatigued with this type of argument. One of them is Chuck from an organization called Braver Angels, which is trying to make the right and the left come together. Absolutely. It's uh, from every report that I get, and that's what our organization is all about. That's what Braver Angel Angels formed about. Um, and we actually, uh, I have a co-coordinator for the state of Illinois now who ran for Congress in this past uh, primary election. And he got that message when he was at county fairs or ringing doorbells. And you sort of get a different message from party uh, when you go to a party-sponsored meeting. But I think people are definitely just uh, fed up with uh, the drama and the dysfunction. Now, I remember the days when John McCain was alive and Teddy Kennedy was alive. John McCain is the right. Kennedy was the left. They came together and they put together legislation. Do you envision that in the future? 
Uh, absolutely. Uh, I think that our culture needs to change. And at this point, it may be a kind of a slow change. But uh, in a in a democracy, a constitutional republic, we absolutely need our leaders to not be dividing us. And uh, I think that'll come to pass again. And let me say also that since you've got the OK Boomer program, I think the boomers can and are playing a really important role in doing that because we do. You and I remember uh, a time when things were a little bit better. And I think that's an important message to keep reassuring the younger generations about. Now, playing devil's advocate, do you think that the boomers created this? Um, it certainly happened while it was on our watch. So uh, I think that, uh, you know, we're in a sense coming to the dance about 40 years too late. Uh, but we need to just accept the moment and do what we can uh, to think about what caused it, all of the many influences that kind of over a long period of time contributed to dividing us into enemy camps, as opposed to just political opponents in a majority rule, basically democracy. So, um, yeah, I think it happened over a really long time and we didn't react to it, I think, uh, at least uh, sufficiently. That That's true. What do you see in the immediate future? What kind of changes do you see happening to reverse this course? I think that people are, as, you, as you've said, they're, they're overwhelmingly fed up with this. Uh, but we need to understand better what to do about it. And that means that the middle of the, the broad middle of voters the ones who are not on the extreme fringes on the left or on the right need to uh, need to react, need to not stick their head in the sand or become depressed uh, by the situation. And that's actually um, that's what Braver Angels was set up to do is to allow kind of regular people to get involved in this and to to express our viewpoint and to bring other people together to get active uh, against this. So that's what's going to need to happen. Um, I think that it's a combination that needs to happen between our political leaders and between sort of the engines of democracy. And that's both the voters, but it, it's also the news media and voter related groups that need to come together and start making this a part of the discussion. And it isn't right now. It isn't. There isn't a voice saying we want you to find a way to get along and to do the nation's business instead of being conflict entrepreneurs and trying to divide us for your own gain. Um, we need to find a way of expressing that eventually uh, in the ballot box. Conflict entrepreneurs. That's a very good term. And I can think of a lot of people on radio and TV and writing for newspapers, that's what they are. And they get a lot of people listening. Absolutely. That's absolutely right. And social media has been a big um, uh, kind of amplifier of that, that the thing that really causes people to click and to stay on Facebook and Twitter and so forth is the sense of outrage. And uh, we have to begin as human beings just wondering what effect it has to suddenly get outraged several times a day. Uh, and it actually, it spurs an emotional, a, a, a biochemical reaction in our bodies. And uh, we need to, it's one of the many influences that we need to come to grips with and to understand better um, all of these different influences that it, have happened over a long time. So yeah, there are people who exploit the fact that we are kind of forced into these binary camps. You're either on this side or you're on that side. Well, it's either, you know, Donald Trump or it's Hillary Clinton. You got to make a choice. And then we kind of stereotype based on that choice. Uh, and we treat people on the other side as enemies. So uh, we've got to take away the incentive for candidates to do that. And we have to express that clearly so that it becomes a disadvantage to do that instead of right now, uh, exactly what happens in primaries. 
what is Braver Angels doing now? What are you actively doing to put a stop to what you just said? We're uh, reaching the public, and we're a nearly all-volunteer organization. We reach the public through workshops that have been designed by a family therapist of some note, Bill Doherty, who's at the University of Minnesota, and he treats it as if we are a fractured family that doesn't talk to each other very much anymore and doesn't talk to each other productively. And so his, uh, the methods of family and marital therapy get built into these workshops and uh, people really, I think, love them when they participate in them. They're all free. Pretty much everything we do is free to the public. Um, but we've, we've spread out from doing workshops and uh, we also do debates because we find that people like to get up and, and state their view on something. Uh, but it's a different kind of debate thing. It's a, a room full of people who say there's 100 people in the room. They're all eligible to get up and give a short speech on what they actually believe. So those have been uh, very productive and, and very well received. Uh, we do podcasts. Uh, we do book clubs. We do alliances. So that's groups of people. And I would love to start an alliance in the Carbondale area people from the left and the right and the moderates uh, in between meeting together on a regular basis, usually once a month, both as a discussion group and then also to organize events about polarization. So uh, we're attacking it on all different levels. And one thing that I love about this organization is that we keep expanding. Um, When I joined it in 2017, it was really just workshops. And I it was something I'd been looking for for years, a way to do something about this divisive, you know, poisonous political discourse in the country. I thought it was a direct way of approaching it. We want to get family members and friends and coworkers talking again and uh, kind of developing communication skills for these polarized times. But I thought it's a limited approach And since then, we have expanded and we continue to expand. uh, And it's just it's been very gratifying to be the coordinator. Well, Chuck, I hope to have you on the program and further additions. Well, I would love that. Thank you very much, Robert. And that's Chuck Stone. Now, if you're interested in not getting into those tiring arguments, Contact Chuck at cstone at braverangels.org. cstone at braverangels.org or go to check out their website, braverangels.org. Now let's go into the past, my past. When I was a little kid, I remember we drove up to some laundromat or something and uh, we had an AM radio on in the car and I heard this song and I remembered it and I don't know why. And I just came upon it recently. It's by Dean Martin singing about memories are made of this. Out of the past, 1958, Dean Martin and memories are made of this. And that wraps up OK Boomer for today. I've got a bunch of people I want to thank for this program. We're going to get to that right now. I'd like to thank Chuck Stone, Lauren Becker, Molly Maxwell, and Ronnie LaForge. Also, Bob and Marcia Smith and Janice Paul. See you next week, and remember, we always have options.